0: Welcome to the Something Something Experience Podcast, Episode 1. I'm Michael John Simpson. My co-caster Ash Jones and I started this podcast as a creative outlet to give voice to our passions. While working together, we found ourselves in exhaustive conversations about movies, music, TV, comedy, video games, internet culture, media culture in general, as well as philosophy, mental health, the nature of celebrity, little politics, and the overall human experience. In this episode, we talk a lot about Marvel vs. DC movies, British versus American TV, racial humor, music, the death of Robin Williams, and of course, a little Doctor Who. We think the title says everything, and we hope you'll enjoy listening. So here it is, episode one of the Something Something Experience. Oh, and I apologize for eating during the first ten minutes. Hello, we are recording. Alright. Hey. Ash, good? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Mike. Good. Um, here at the Korean place. Have a good weekend? Uh, yeah, having a little chop-chay here, and uh, did you have a good weekend?
1: I did have a good weekend, man. I was, uh... I was, uh
0: you were saying you um, you watched a bunch of TV shows. You were d- mass-consuming. Uh, Go for I, it. Uh,
1: my depression got the best of me, so I stayed home, <laughs> <laughs> and I watched The Leftovers, episode one through seven. I watched The Nick, mm-hmm. episode one and two, and I watched True, De- True Detective again. Which I don't know. Have you watched True Detective?
0: I haven't. I do oh, have the whole series. I um obtained the whole series, <coughs> and uh, so I will be watching it. I'm not currently a subscriber to HBO. <coughs> I believe the NSA read is into, looking for you now. Read it. Yeah, yes, yeah. the NSA is or the uh, the recording industry is looking for me. Um, I'm a I'm a I'm a wanted <laughs> man. I'm a wanted poster. Um, but uh, so I do have it. I do plan to watch it. Um. I've seen a few of the key scenes from it. <laughs> yeah, I think you probably know the scenes I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. The, 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 se- the, the sex uh, scenes with the yeah, yeah. impossibly levitating breasts. In them. I know so the, the gravity on those things is amazing, <laughs> or the anti gravity for the the anti-gravity. that matter. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't watched the whole <laughs> series though, but I am very keen to do so. Um, I
1: recommend it. It's it's really fascinating and. and uh, you know, I'm not gonna spoil it for you or anyone, but but it's it's really cool because you think it's one of those shows that starts, you think it's something, and then it becomes something else, and uh, you know, it really it, it really gets dark, and then it gets darker, and then it gets darker.
0: Oh, cool. And then cool. It gets darker, and it's, yeah, I like the dark.
1: It's very interesting because one of the things they meant they they mentioned in the book at one point. They mentioned something called the Yellow King, and mm. in some like in a place called Carcosa. Oh, and they don't really explain it, but I started googling after watching it. And um, the Yellow King is like um, early twentieth century uh, screenplay huh. that was supposed supposedly drove people mad. People that read it. Oh wow! Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so that's, that's an old kind of trope. That's kind of a mythical trope. There were books and works in Greek mythology and other things that that drove like, people insane. Like Macbeth, 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 right? Macbeth, the Macbeth for for thing, or right, 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 or um, or you know, kind of Pandora's box kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: So uh, I've yet to muster up the. Courage to uh, buy the screenplay. Interesting, though. interesting. <laughs>
0: For fear of madness. For fear crazy. of going even more mad than you already are. I, I um, pretty crazy. You said you also started watching uh, Legends, the the new Sean Bean vehicle. That How I was watched, that? but I didn't finish. So. Okay. Okay. I'm. I, I, you know,
1: I, I, honestly, I, I watched an interview with him, and uh, it got me interested because I like Sean Bean, even though he dies mm. and everything he does. Right. Sean Bean dies. There was an ad campaign
0: <laughs> at Comic Con, even though Sean Bean wasn't at Comic Con. There was an ad campaign done at Comic-Con. T-shirts and posters. We promise, if you watch the show, we promise not to kill Sean Beanoff. He <laughs> was a big thing at Comic-Con. And he's the main guy, they made he a big can't judge- die. Exactly. Well, that's what they said about Game of Thrones, and look what happened there, you know? Oh, true, man. Yeah.
1: That scene, I still remember. That that, that was oh, such yeah. a shock. That was even more shocking than the Red Wedding, in my opinion. because Yeah. It's the first time they oh, kill yeah. someone off like that, and you're like, right.
0: what? It's the first time we've ever seen a show yeah. where they really kill off the main guy early on.
1: And he was in all the promotional material right. as the main guy.
0: Right. I mean, I mean, it's like Lord of the Rings, they kill off Gandalf in the first book, but we know he comes back later. But, you know, exactly. spoilers, sorry. But, but you know, we, we he comes back later.
1: Wait, who hasn't seen Lord of the Rings? Well,
0: you never know. <laughs> the internet likes to uh, call spoilers on people, which I... You know, if you it, haven't seen it, you deserve it to be yeah. spoiled. If you're, if you're in charge you. of your own media destiny, I think we're all in charge of our own media destiny. And mm-hmm. if you haven't
1: seen something... Oh, hashtag media destiny. Avoid
0: it. Yes, hashtag media <laughs> destiny. Uh, hashtag hashtags outside of Twitter. Um, so, yeah, it is not very typical to kill off the hero in the first part not of the story all, yeah. like that. Or the first book or the first series of but books. But
1: you, you've told me that you think that's, that, that the show has taken a turn you don't like. You, you don't appreciate it being so grim and... and I well, all the resolutions are negative. And it all that just stuff. yeah,
0: it just seems <clears throat> so hopeless that every resolution or lack of resolution for every character, as soon as you start rooting rooting for someone, they they uh, you know they get killed off, and and it, it it's it's almost become about building up fan expectation and pulling the rug out from it. And I think that, and I think that George R. R. Martin has some kind of sociopathic nature to him. I'm not saying he's a sociopath, <laughs> but there's definitely something something that lacks empathy some of the with, best, the, with the fans.
1: Some of the best writers, dark um, writers, I mean, did, uh, you have saw, those traits. I yes, mean, look look yes. at like Edgar Allan Poe or H.P. Lovecraft or... Well, look at Stephen King in the 80s. Stephen King.
0: Ebb, like, Housewives completely terrified to walk outside their own door for fear of being sucked away into some void somewhere because of something Stephen King wrote. Or pe- mm-hmm. fear of walking past a cemetery because I think that their dead cat, Fido, is going to come back uh, to haunt them or something, you know? I mean, that happened. I remember remember my stepmom. We were living, I actually became uh, friends with uh, childhood, you know, uh, friends again on Facebook with uh, uh, somebody I knew in childhood who was next door neighbors, and she lives in Europe somewhere now. And we became friends on Facebook, and we were talking about the the one thing that she, the the biggest memory she has of us and our family was I was with my mom and my dad was out of town, and my stepmom was reading one of the Stephen King books, Pet Cemetery or one of those, and she got so scared she had to go spend the night over at the neighbor's house because she was afraid to be alone. <laughs> that's, and that's she remembers that. So, yeah. I mean, Stephen King had that kind of effect on people. And Which, we're kind and then, of all over the map at this point. We're like films and movies and TV and, and, and books. That's and how and, so the way conversations, conversations exactly. um, happen. <laughs> but, uh,
1: yeah, yeah, people, we're not, we're not going to pull any, any punches here. We're, no, no. We're, that, the whole point of this experiment sort of, is to just have it flow the way it's supposed to flow. Yeah, yeah, like a natural and, conversation, like and natural also
0: conversation. to go anywhere and everywhere. Um, so
1: I was, was going to say there's an interesting connection there. Oh yes, between Stephen King and True Detective, the topic we started. With, oh yes, and that's that the uh, the director Carrie Fukunaga, uh, the director of True Detective, is going to uh, he's um, he's been hired to uh, write and direct uh, a an, uh, remake of Stephen King's It. Ooh, yeah. so once you see the show, you'll know how perfect this guy is for that movie because he's got he's got a few like okay. um, tracking shots mm-hmm. that are just, I don't know, the way he composes his shots. Yeah, yeah. it's super eerie. You a know? lot of,
0: a lot of um, Asian directors and not to stereotype, but I've noticed that a lot of Asian directors have a certain way of evoking an emotion with just one shot of a track. Oh, Ang God. Lee, the first Hulk movie was was not good. I mean, oh. it wasn't good. But there was some beautiful, quiet, visual moments in that movie, where there was one moment. And I don't. So so long since I've seen it, but there's one moment where Ang Lee just stops, and he just pulls in and focuses mm-hmm. in on a little flower. In amongst all this chaos that's been happening yeah. full the Hulk battling tanks or whatever happened in that first movie. I don't remember. But, you know. <laughs> Hulk dogs. But he takes this moment, <laughs> and it reminds me of other scenes that were in, like, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and movies like that, where he just takes that moment and revels in the quiet of a moment. It's like mm-hmm. the, the, the movie in the middle of the Those are the, uh, the, I guess the nuances that, that right. you know, because, you know, the, that culture is, is more... Yes.
1: Um more nuanced, I would say, than than, than our culture. And, and so, going back to, uh, interesting you mentioned that, <clears throat> the slow tracking shots that Ang Lee does, because I I think, it's, and this has been written about in books, that uh, Akira Kurosawa is actually the one of the pioneers of, of the tracking shot. Nice, nice. He used to always do a tracking shot. Um, I'm not ac- as
0: familiar with Kurosawa yeah, as I should be.
1: Across the, uh, the forest or something, following the group or whatever, and... Uh, he actually you know he was one of the pioneers that started using using that technique so
0: and you know um there's other other actually american directors that picked up on that like david lynch like there's a great the great scene at the very beginning of blue velvet where jeffrey finds the ear and the ear is (laughs) lying on the ground and he looks and the, the camera just focuses in and there's there's you know, graphic content warning, sort of. But there's a severed ear on the ground, and there's ants crawling in and out of it. And the camera tracks really slowly and goes down the ear hole, basically. And this, <laughs> and and oh, that's and uh, splits uh, uh, sound design does this big, you know, that big whooshy, rumbly rush of noise David Lynch that surrounds is, uh, you as you're going tracking uh, you're venturing into the ear hole and those slow shots like that
1: David Lynch is the master uh. of atmosphere
0: even his he short he's short stories. He's, he's got... such an auteur, and oh, I, I, it's so it's a shame he's not making movies anymore. But when he was making... Did he say he's not going to make any movies? It was, when he was saying, when he was filming Inland Empire, he did it on handheld video instead of in, in digital video. And he said, film is dead, and I'll never shoot another movie again no. as long as I live.
1: That's, that's, that's sad. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, I like to see his films when he actually goes crazy.
0: And now he makes coffee. <laughs> he makes coffee? Yeah, there's David Lynch coffee. And interesting Music It's a damn fine cup of coffee <laughs> 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 Booyah but Speaking he, of which I just bought the uh, Blu-ray set The Twin Peaks Blu-ray set Oh it set. came out That's right um, It came out yeah. And I sat One day That weekend I was on my own And I sat And watched All of the extras From Twin Peaks Firewalk with me and it puts all these extra scenes in it it was really good there's a scene where I don't know if you've seen Twin Peaks or Firewalk With Me
1: I have seen the first few episodes and I, I, I believe I, I I felt this overwhelming feeling of depression and I couldn't
0: keep it's watching it's a sad story it is it's a sad really story it's
1: really sad mm-hmm. just watching that cup break down when they find the body and uh it just oh, yeah. it, it, and, and something about the music it's, yeah. it sustains oh, yeah. it sustains
0: that emotion Angelo he's brilliant he's So amazing. I just couldn't handle it man. I have a lot of his work <laughs> at home um but there's a there's a scene that wasn't in the original movie from the um, uh, the extras from Fire Walk With Me and the FBI agent it's not Dale Cooper it's the other f it's Chris Isaac the the music the country you know the alt country guy he wicked game all that he plays an FBI agent Chester Desmond what a great you know it's sp- a great, er, name. A great yeah. name 40s 40s mid 40s gumshoe kind of sounding name but he goes and he he's He's getting all this belligerence from the local uh, law enforcement in this little town where the first girl's murdered. This is this takes place a year before Twin Peaks does, and he gets all this stuff, and then he goes back, and eventually they're trying to bar him from taking the body of the girl back to Portland for further medicals. Their pr- facilities are primitive, and he winds up getting into a fistfight with the local sheriff. He takes off his shirt, and his gun, and his badge, and everything, and then just bam bam And and I'm not a I'm not a violent. Violence guy or anything, but there is a sense of satisfaction of him just beating the crap out of Sheriff Cable. Is his yeah. name <laughs> Cable? That's a very manly name. Yeah, very. Cable. Name. Yes, very cable. And he's a real prick yeah. too. But uh, Kiefer Sutherland's in that movie, playing kind of a simple I, I do guy. Remember yeah, that. yeah, playing. Yeah, yeah I remember David Lynch is in the movie as well. Oh, of course, of course, Gordon Cole. Uh, I just don't remember the movie that well because Uh-oh.
1: I during during college that's when I discovered David Lynch. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I had seen Eraserhead uh, in high school, but I just. You know, like thumbing, like just yeah, yeah, over goes my over head. head yeah. I didn't pay attention to it. In college, though, I started watching. The first movie I watched was Lost Highway.
0: And that, um, you know, started me on the path of uh, Lynch. You say um, Eraserhead, <clears throat> Alan Splett. That's another great... Uh, until Alan Splett died, David Lynch always worked with him as a sound designer. And he's the one who got all these really crazy soundscapes. He did all the sound design for, um, uh, for Eraserhead and for Blue Velvet. And for, um, yeah, the, like I said, the, the tracking shot with the ear. And there's one other movie he did. I can't remember if he was doing sound still on Wild at Heart, but I think he might have been right before he died.
1: That is, um, I, I think that's the only uh, David Lynch movie I haven't seen.
0: Oh, Wild at Heart, uh, Nicolas Cage, and Lord Erne.
1: No, 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 I'm sorry, the other one.
0: Mulholland Drive.
1: No, 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 the one with old people.
0: Oh, oh, um, The Straight Story.
1: The Straight Story. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a much later, yeah.
0: One, much later one. That one's after yeah. Mulholland Drive and before uh, Inland Empire, I think.
1: But you know oddly enough my favorite uh, Lynch movie is uh, Elephant Man.
0: I do like Elephant Man. That's a very very good film.
1: I have I have an affinity to uh, towards deformities. Oh yeah. I, I, I find I didn't that, know
0: that fascinating.
1: I, I like, you know, all those like freaks that mm, movie oh, with yeah, the yeah, I love circus freaks, freaks
0: in Gobble One of Us. Yeah, yeah, that whole thing.
1: Yeah, you just give me a movie where there's a freak and I'll watch it.
0: <laughs> I have to say this is awesome being able to get so in depth with a conversation. I don't get to have these conversations very often. With like oh, anybody cool. but you, because yeah. not very many people are as usually yeah. nerd about film and TV and weird shit. As, as I try to I have am.
1: them with my girlfriend, but I try to
0: have them with my wife, and she eventually end up talking to myself. Doesn't have as broad of a, <laughs> of, a of a of a viewership as I do on yeah. on. See, that's the thing. Growing up as a Latchkey in the seven Latchkey kid in the seventies, and then also the eighties was a lot of time in the afternoon spent at home watching old movies because they didn't show there weren't the all the gi joe and transformers and rainbow bright and and all the stuff they showed in the afternoons didn't start until 83 84 mm-hmm. so from seventy seven, seventy eight until about then and i didn't have mtv so there wasn't anything on in the afternoons for us to watch as oh, kids wow. so we were watching old reruns of old sitcoms Dick yeah, Van Dyke yeah, and Leave yeah. It to Beaver and My Three Sons and Donna Reed and the, the Honeymooners and Isle of Lucy and, and all and Andy Griffiths show and all and uh, uh, Dick Van Dyke Show and all that. Love all those shows, by the way. And it's also part of why in my generation, there t- has a, a tendency to be toward having a nostalgia for the things that our parents were into things that our parents liked as kids because
1: you guys were exposed to it exactly as well.
0: because we watched all of that programming as reruns in the afternoon well after i gotta school. tell you
1: something i I, 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 movies, too. I grew up in the 2000s mm, mm, mm. but i remember spending a lot of time with my grandparents and my grandparents used to watch the Honeymooners, mm-hmm. i love lucy uh the price is right um all those um shows in the afternoon so after school i used to watch it watch them with them and i i also kind of I feel like the warmth. Oh yeah, the, the, oh, yeah. the, the, the no, feeling.
0: The nostalgia, yeah, yeah. Whenever those shows yeah, come yeah, on, yeah. or whatever. Well, yeah. the other cool thing is, there were mm. shows that transitioned from the '60s into the '70s, like Brady Bunch and Gilligan's Island, and things like that. That I watched some of the end of those runs of those shows new because they were still on, and also things like um, Adam Twelve and. And Adam-12, which was a, an offshoot of Dragnet, which was a TV show based on a radio show, and so this whole history. And then Emergency, which came later than Dragnet, or later than Adam-12. and
1: What about the more adult shows like The Prisoner? Do you ever Oh, I love The Prisoner. Oh my
0: god, The Prisoner was a huge, because I was always watching PBS, because that's where all the British stuff was shown. And I, lo- ever since I was a little, little kid, have loved British television. Faulty Towers, Monty Python, The Prisoner, Doctor Who. Doctor, I've been watching Doctor Who since 1977. Maybe you, know. you
1: should tell people about your Doctor oh. Who obsession. <laughs>
0: I could almost maybe start not. Maybe up, not. Oh, I could also maybe not. I could, I, I <laughs> do get accused of being a bit long-winded sometimes, <laughs> by you by you sometimes too, and it's rightfully so. I, I I am a talker. That's why I have a podcast. So. Um, been watching Doctor Who since '77. When Tom Baker, the Fourth Doctor, with the scarf and the hat, he was the he was the man. And we watched reruns, and they were only on on the weekends, and sometimes they were on in the evenings. And then I would went to.
1: This is where I'm going to get lost because yeah, yeah, I, I know right, nothing right. about Doctor it's Who.
0: It's okay. It's okay. It's uh, <laughs> it's you're basically you know you got this uh, time traveling guy from another planet who who just kind of always lands in the middle of trouble. It's it's a very old kind of trope for a TV show where it's kind of wandering troubleshooter. You know, you had shows in America that were like that, like um, The Rifleman or Have Gun, Will Travel or that kind of thing. But there was less of an emphasis on violence. The Doctor was always trying to stop people from perpetrating violence on other people or oppression or, or slavery or destruction. or And so he's kind of this universal hero who... Who is a rebel in his own culture and kind of plays by his own rules, and so then, then when he, the way that they, the geniuses of the BBC, mm. when the first actor start started taking ill and wasn't able to remember his lines as well, they said let's have him regenerate, regeneration, and that's the reason in '65 when he regenerated into. Uh, that's why we have like eleven doctors, that's why, we have, doctors that's why we, have, we have twelve. Twelve. 12? The the twelfth Doctor starts Saturday. Saturday starts. Five days from now. I'm Peter sure next Cap-
1: week you're going to talk about that. Yes, episode. yes. Peter
0: Capaldi. I've been very. I was very excited to have his announcement, and uh, he. I've been a fan of his for a long time. Uh, he and he himself is an old Doctor Who fan.
1: You know what I've noticed, and th- this is you know uh, changing changing the topic That's a little right. bit, but um, I've noticed that that I think I think American uh, television is taking after British t- television, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that I, I've I've always preferred. Uh, British TV shows me too um, I prefer them to be shorter um, and, and, and succinct straight to your point and, and I think uh, American TV is doing that now True Detective there's only 8 episodes The Nick has only 10 episodes that's and a they, very they,
0: that's a very British thing yeah it.
1: They, they shot The Nick as a movie as a 10 hour movie which case is pretty in interesting case in
0: point Fawlty Towers you think of Faulty Towers as this big thing in comedy in British comedy in the history of British television there's only 12 episodes of that show yeah. 12 whole episodes And that was two different series. And they were done four years apart. Only 12 episodes. But there's so much crammed in. Mm -hmm. And John Cleese has done millions of interviews talking about how much joke after joke after joke after joke is crammed into every... All those episodes are so busy and go all over the place. But it's just laugh a minute. And that's not usual for a British show. Um, Later British shows kind of took after that model. But that was the first one that really had that kind of joke a minute thing. Um, And of course Monty Python too, which kind of created the stream of consciousness, um, although some of the prelim shows for Python, like uh, um, Do Not Adjust Your Set and uh, the, night, the last of the 1948 show, they started with that kind of stream of consciousness, but a lot of that it was Terry Gilliam's influence. of and Rather than having a beginning, middle, punchline of sketches, beginning, middle, and end with a punchline, let's just kind of dream sequence it or stream of consciousness in, into an animation and then into a next... Sketch or little door links that way because they were trying to subvert the old traditional, you know, and because t- British TV, especially comedy, was basically just music hall. It was just people getting up and telling jokes and doing sketches and dun- 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 You and know what off, I want? Offstage. I want
1: the Terry Gilliam biography. Oh yeah. I mean, why hasn't that come out? I mean, that, that guy's fascinating. You mentioned, you know, the stream of consciousness and Monty Python. I think that's where it started for him, and then it led to. Uh, You know all his like Brazil time bandits. all those great movies from the eighties.
0: The Fisher King, one of my Mm -hmm. favorite Terry Gilliam movies, and of course the passing Robin Williams. It was was a hard last week was a hard week for me. It was a hard week. I mean, and we were just talking. I think we were
1: just talking about like Baron uh, the Adventures of Baron Moonchild. Yes, yes, and he played the moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. someone was talking to me about that, and then I talked to you about it. He was so great in that.
0: The Robin Williams, another thing I've been a fan of since the seventies. I mean. Uh, I was seeing Robin Williams on TV and in other things before he was e- even did Happy Days. Before he w- he was even a one-off character one time in Happy Days, which spun off into Mork and Mindy, which launched his career. But I was seeing him on TV, and and uh, he was on the Richard Pryor show. Richard Pryor had a great, very racially relevant again in the golden age of the '70s. Mm-hmm. Back in '76, '77, Richard Pryor had a prime time. A black guy in 1977 had a prime time comedy special that he produced and directed and wrote all you know with all these wonderful people, Paul Mooney and um, Mar- <laughs> uh, uh, oh, who was um, she played Roz on um on Night Court um. Damn it, I can't remember her name now, but uh, Sarah Bernhardt was on that show, and just so many great people. Um, Sandra Bernhardt? Sandra Bernhardt, and she was a comedian. Um, Wow, she must have been really young. She was. She was in her twenties. I mean, they were all yeah. in their twenties, third, you know, twenties, early thirties. I love
1: Paul Mooney, man. Love Paul Mooney. And people hate him because he's really edgy. He doesn't, he, he doesn't have a filter. He doesn't feel like he. Every has Every time anymore. he films
0: a special, yeah. some white couple gets up and walks out yes. in the middle of it, and he's all right. Like, That's all right. That's all right. They, they don't want to know the truth. <laughs> let him go. Let them go. And I'm like, yes. I ran into Paul Mooney once. I was on my way to work. I was working at a school in Hancock Park, and I'm driving down. Uh, Vine Street which turns into uh, Rossmore I'm driving down Rossmore and I'm just about ready to turn on off of Rossmore and I pull up and there's this Cadillac with the with the lid down Whoa, you know he drives the top the down Cadillac. he drives a caddy with the Jesus. lid with the with the top down <laughs> big old boat you know big old one of those big old 70s Cadillac boats and I go holy shit that's Paul Mooney and he looks over and he goes What's your name, brother? And I said, Michael, it's good to meet you, man. I love you. I love you. You and Pryor and just, oh, you guys are awesome. And he was very, he was like, that's good, man. He said, it's nice to meet you. Have, you have a nice day. And he drove off. He drove off. It was so cool meeting Paul Mooney. That guy's so cool, man. Oh, I love Paul Mooney. Love, yeah, my, my girlfriend
1: Mooney. loves him, too. That's one thing that I feel needs to come back, man.
0: Racial humor? Yeah. Racial humor. Edgy racial humor. Yeah. Racial humor that, you know, Mel Brooks, Richard Pryor, Paul Mooney, guys like that. Even Chris Rock. Well, you know my Chris Rock story yeah, I yeah. tell over and over again. I'll do that <laughs> another time, but people who take racism and just stick it under your nose so you have to smell it and leave it it's like it's like I see racial humor sometimes when it's done right as like a dirty Sanchez where it gets rubbed under your nose and you got to smell that shit for the rest of the day you know deal with it you got to deal with it you got to deal with it you
1: know and and it's interesting because nowadays we're seeing an interesting thing where um, the the, the social climate is such that um, there's comedians out that out out now out now doing stand-up in films that you don't even know if they're really racist? Yeah, yeah. Because their whole persona oh, yeah. is, I'm this person, uh, I'm old school, and right. I dress old school, and I'm going to say the racist shit. And it seems ironic, but you don't really know. Like, you don't uh, know. I, I wish I, I, someone interviewed uh, Natasha Lagero and mm, ex- oh. asked her, are you really a racist? She's not.
0: She's not, She's though. not? No. No, okay. yeah, because she does a lot of, she does podcasts, and she does a lot of online stuff. Oh, so I'm just saying And it's a persona. It's a persona. Well, okay. same thing with... Um, <laughs> Uh, Queen of Mean, Lisa Lampanelli, same thing with a lot of these people that will say anything. Again, they are doing it right. They're putting racism under your nose so you have to deal with it. And sexism and homophobia and all those things. Um, Sarah Silverman, same thing. So, all yeah. of those people—they're all kind of in the <clears throat> old school. Where I'd like
1: to apologize to N- Natasha Leggero. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, first of all, you have to apologize for saying her name wrong. It's Leggero. <laughs> Leggero, I'm sorry.
1: You know what? I'm not sorry. Fuck her. All right. Oh. Uh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, give me a dark room. to Sam Cooke album. Anyway. Um,
1: no. Uh, <laughs> not horrible. like that.
0: That's horrible. Um, so yeah, comedy. Let's see. Well, another person who did racism, right? Robin Williams, in the case in point. I mean, he had a lot of real socially relevant stuff, a lot of political stuff. But it was one of those things where people these days, if you're going to be political, if you're going to be racial, if you're going to be whatever, you have to do it in a way you can't shove it down people's throats. It's not like the 70s. It's not like the 80s anymore, where if you're like Bill Hicks, a lot of time he was way too political for people and they got turned people off. But I love Bill Hicks. I think Bill Hicks was a god. And I'm really sorry that wow, he died. Wow, god. Oh, he's amazing. He's, he's one pretty, of my cool. hands down, top three comedians of all time, hands down.
1: I'd say demigod.
0: Well, the thing about Robin Williams is I got kind of turned off by a lot of the more family-friendly stuff that he did throughout the years. Um, probably the 90s, the La- Yeah, in the 90s, early 2000s. Jack. Right, right. Kids. Yeah, the, the Patch Adams and <laughs> stuff like that. No, the last thing I probably was really, really on board for, that he did was probably Aladdin. Maybe something later than that, but I don't really remember. But the thing that I've been going back to since he died is his stand up. I've been going back to the. I went back. I have all his stand up albums, and I've been watching specials on YouTube and stuff, and I've been going back to the 70s when he started. And going back to that material. Because for me, that was what Robin Williams was all about. Mm-hmm. And a lot of other people feel the same way. Now, he went on to do some amazing stuff. Good Morning Vietnam was a good movie. Yeah. Um, one Hour uh, Photo? Birdcage. Oh, One Hour Photo. Disturbing. do oh, get me yeah. started. I love that movie so much. And I know a lot yeah, of people that who la- that last hate scene, Robin Williams.
1: That last scene where he's, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. he's in the interrogation room and he's can I, he's saying, can I get my photos now? Yeah, and yeah. He's, Putting them on the table, yeah, yeah, and you feel
0: how lonely oh. he is. It's 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 kind of crushing. Well, I've always said that comedians play the best villains because you don't know where they're going to go. You got a dramatic actor playing a villain; It's one thing. Well, I'm
1: gonna I'm the gonna thing. I'm gonna put something on the table okay. right now, and you're gonna probably hate me for it. But I think Dane Cook did a really good job uh, in that movie, uh, Mr. Brooks, where he played a villain. He played a, a, a sort of like a serial killer apprentice.
0: I haven't seen that. I'm Watch. not a Dan Cook fan. I'm not a fan of his stand-up. That doesn't mean <laughs> I could. I would necessarily not be a fan of anything. But it goes. He's done. It goes along with your point. The I whole think, point of. Yeah, I think I, you're I, right. Because of that, yeah. I would be willing to, to look at that. So. I think you're
1: right, man. I think. I think comedians because good comedians are inherently a little twisted and yeah, damaged. Yeah.
0: yeah espe- they, yes. Yeah. They have internal damage. <clears throat> We're so used to him being ha ha, Mr. Monkey, grab my grab my junk, but then, but then. Mm. When they, they get dark, then they go dark, dark, way darker than a dramatic actor does, way darker. I'm, I'm because love, yeah, because I, that's the thing when you're when you're a dramatic actor, you're already down that middle line, and you yeah. go dark, you go down that that way. When you're a comedian, you're way over the, that line, and you mm-hmm. have to go way the other side, and it and that pendulum swings. I'm yeah, a big yeah. fan of the the. I'm a big um, believer in the 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 pendulum metaphor for a lot of things politics and humor and depression and all those things and so with comedians that pendulum swings one way happy and swings way hard and fast and long the other way to toward darkness toward depression yeah that's, that's an interesting
1: yeah. uh they kind of like like uh, mental mental visual, like, visualization yeah, technique yeah, yeah, yeah. to uh, yeah. I guess uh, understand things in life I, I think. Everything in life is, is like a wave. It has ups and downs. Yeah, yeah. I, that's just the way that, that life mm-hmm. is. But yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to see like Louis C.K. play a dark character.
0: I would too. I'd like to see him do some acting. <laughs> uh, I love Louis. That's a great show. Well,
1: he's in, in uh, American Hustle.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I didn't see... I've seen a couple s- snippets of that. I haven't seen everything. He's really but good. I would like to see him play like a real... Twisted fucked up, person, yeah. Yeah, somebody. That would but be but awesome. not But not a pedophile. Because I feel like he already looks like a pedophile. I want to... <laughs> <laughs> He would probably agree like, with you. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: want him to challenge himself a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Uh, but he's a great actor. I mean, he's he has. Um, he did. He, he almost did a, like a, like a sitcom before his. Fox yeah, show. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then he had uh, he, he made a movie in the '90s when he was in film school that yeah. is now being released. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, and there's yeah. another
0: there's another movie or two where he's got a couple scenes in it or something. I I saw the little scene where he plays the the guy. He's like sitting on that little bench in a room or whatever, and. Is it is it Dallas Buyers Club or whatever the movie or American oh. Hustle where he's getting chastised by somebody or fucked with somebody's fucking with him? Or yeah, something. yeah. Bradley Cooper fucked with him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Speaking of Bradley Cooper, Rocket Raccoon. <gasps> oh man! Oh that movie. yeah. That Gal- movie. Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, I haven't. I've been reading around and I've been listening around. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I listen to a, you know a lot of stuff like that. People whose opinion I respect about movies and about TV, I haven't heard a single bad thing about Guardians. Of the Not Galaxy.
1: one, man. And haven't
0: it, heard anything bad about that movie. There's nothing
1: bad about that movie,
0: man. Yeah. It's, it's
1: perfect. And the thing, it has rewatch value. I've seen it two two times already. I know so many
0: people who've seen it, <clears throat> who've seen it two, three, and one guy I know wants to go see it a fourth time, and they loved it that much. I want to go see it in the theater again too. I'd you know lo- what it I liked was? It that much.
1: It was Indiana Jones in space. Yes,
0: I agree with that. I agree. And, with and
1: that. I, I hate to reiterate what everyone else is saying, but but that's really like a good. I, I found that, like well, the, it's the best. Had a,
0: the movie had a swagger to it you know it had like a the music a wink in the, the music yeah. and a wink in the eye and a swagger to it you know a, a cocky walk you know it had that it had that going yeah, on yeah. through the whole thing james gunn's a great director he's great i like him a lot i like a lot of his little there was a zombie movie that he did and there was um a couple of the other smaller projects that he's worked on i think he was the perfect director for that movie and i hope he's on board for number two He's already, he
1: was, he was, he was already writing it. I think he tw- tweeted out, uh, I think the weekend after it opened, he tweeted out uh, a message saying, I'm already, I'm already, uh, I'm working on number two. What's our time? Uh, oh, we have uh, about 21 minutes left. Oh, okay. Well, I think we're <clears throat> running
0: out of space here. Mm, a little bit. Anyway, but uh, we're still going. So,
1: so he's working on number two. He's already writing it. Um, Marvel's give, given him, you know, the, they've already made a, a, a public announcement saying that he is he is going to write the second one, direct the second one. He's coming back. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Marvel fan, but I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to expand too much on that, on theories about movies and, and stuff like that. Marvel movies, because I think that's way too redundant. Everyone's talking about those, but I'll say one thing, and that's that. Uh, I don't want to see Howard the Duck in the second movie. Oh no! no, no.
0: <laughs> I hope that was just a cute little cameo, and yeah. I think that's probably what it was. I mean, we all know what a piece of shit Howard the Duck. I think. Was. I
1: think. I think. I should mention something since we are recording a podcast. I think it's safe to say, wouldn't you say that that anything we speak about, we're going to spoil?
0: Uh, yeah, it can happen. I, as I said. We're all adults. Sorry, we're all adults. So we're so all if, if, responsible for our media yeah. autonomy. We so, just so, are. Yeah.
1: So if you if you hear us talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, be aware we might spoil it.
0: And you haven't seen it, or it's something you have or haven't seen. We're going to talk about shit, and that's the way it's going to be.
1: It's just the way it is. And um, but yeah, the movie was perfect, man. I, I you liked know, all w- the characters. Once
0: we get around to writing, recording intros, and writing writing little blurbs, we'll list the things that we talk about, so you can you know skip skip uh, an episode or whatever. Yeah, and, that's a good idea. Yeah, we should, so, we should do that for sure. Um, yeah. but uh, I think that, um, yeah. Well, see, I have the opposite perspective. I was not a big Marvel fan growing up. I mean, I knew Spider-Man, and that was about it, really. And a little bit of, you know, t- the cartoons on Saturday, a little bit of Spider-Man and his amazing friends. But mostly I was a DC guy. Batman, Superman, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Wonder Woman, Super Friends, um, you know, uh, all... Go. Up. go. Okay.
1: So, yeah, so that's the, um, what was I... You see, was I, was
0: not, I was not a Marvel fan, so oh, seeing all these new movies... Um, these new Marvel movies it's it's an all brand new introduction for me I was excited about Guardians of the Galaxy because all of my friends who are are hardcore Marvel heads Marvel geeks, were excited about it that was enough to generate buzz for me um, I, I have a lot. I know a lot of people who are total nerds about all kinds of stuff, and so I know a lot of people whose opinions I trust a lot. And so when people ner- totally nerd out and are super get super, super excited about a project, it gets me on board for it.
1: You know what I like about Marvel? i never uh, heard of
0: Guardians of the Galaxy till yeah. a year ago. Me never either. Never heard of them until a year. ago. But you ago. know,
1: you know what I liked about Mar- I like about Marvel and, and the way they're making their movies. Uh, you don't need to know about the comic books You're at right. all. You're right, and that's the right way to do it. Yeah, you, you definitely don't want to, you know. Go really obscure and alienate your audience, but, but you also don't want to go and, 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 and like completely ignore the source material, right?
0: But, but then, but then I've also heard from you and other Marvel fans that there's enough stuff in there that's dead spot on that was just done perfectly to make yeah. it enjoyable for the total hardcore fans too. Yeah, yeah. So true. that's great, and that's that's why I think where Warner's falling short, they're too busy making movies for people who haven't they're not, they're enough of this, and they're and they're they're as Eddie Izzard would say, they're pissing with the myth. They're they're fucking with the source material.
1: They are, but but I think they're they're, I think you know they they, they recently announced like their slate like basically they copied Marvel's plan of yeah uh, releasing a movie or two mm-hmm. movies a year mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just announcing them for the next five years and I think finally dc has is going to have like a unified universe and they're going they're going to go that route
0: i hope so but i hope they can do it right because the one thing that we've seen with warner brothers and dc properties in the past is you put too many people in the movies it doesn't work batman and robin which i will never watch again as long as i you, live you know what my friend biggest piece of you, shit you
1: know what my friend you just watched a movie that had every fucking character on screen at all times it was cluttered and that movie's guardians of the galaxy
0: but it was marvel yeah, but and they know how to do it. They did it great. But uh, that's they said, can do the, the it. DC can do it. I hope so. I hope you're right. I hope but they so do. So far, it. Yeah. they haven't been since since the since the 90s. They have proven that, or have not demonstrated oh, okay. that they have the ability. Batman
1: to do and that. Robin. That's the worst movie horrible. in
0: history. And I'm not. I have to say, I'm not looking forward to Superman versus Batman. I'm not looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward to Ben Affleck. I didn't. I, I like Henry Cavill, but eh, it wasn't. He did. What didn't blow me away. And I'm not happy with their choice of Wonder Woman. And where's our goddamn Wonder Woman movie? I where's know, our female-led movies?
1: They don't. It's Come almost on. like they don't have faith in their own, in their own material. It's so stupid. You know? stu- Even in this age, they're of, still uh... making
0: movies for dudes, and that's what it yeah. boils down to. And it's it's really unfortunate well, because seen... there's so much great, rich material out there.
1: Well, you know, it's, Marvel's doing the same. Th- they're not really reinventing the wheel either. They they haven't released. Like no. a, a Black Widow movie, they haven't done They Black haven't, Widow movie. They haven't, they haven't done like a uh, Marvel Girl, which you know there's been some talk about that. Um, uh, I think they 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 they're going to wipe the uh, Wasp out of the Ant Man movie.
0: I think if DC was smart, so, they would do a rated R uh, Power Girl movie. <laughs> that'd be cool. But you know what I want to
1: see though? Now that Marvel has the rights, I want to see a rated R like Blade movie.
0: Yeah, that would be good. That'd with be good. Wesley Snipes. Again, because he's not that old, nobody would be better blade than him. Nobody would be able to play blade. I know going the Daredevil back, show is coming. Going though. back to you were talking about it, who's gonna play Pennywise?
1: Oh man, Tim Curry. Tim Did Curry, you he can, has to are, come back.
0: He can't, though. He had a stroke last year. Oh, he's out of commission. He's he's like, uh, he's, bedridden. He can't even. I haven't like, heard function? anything out of his camp, not that I am have you know. But I haven't heard or read oh, things. I mean, so I have a lot of friends who are Rocky Horror fans who were used to seeing him around at Rocky Horror events once a year, or once or twice a year, and nobody has heard anything from Tim Curry's camp in a year ish. Wow. He had a stroke last year, so he can't play Penny. As far as I know, he's not going to be able to play Penny. i will find someone.
1: I just don't. I hope they don't do. And, and I trust in Cary Fukunaga. The guy is a great director. I think he's becoming an auteur. I mean. I... You're not familiar with him, but he did another movie called Sin Nombre, Mm -hmm. which is about, uh, it's basically the immigrant story. These uh, South American people coming to the States and all the groups they encounter, and it's really, you know, amazing. And then he did a movie called, uh, a movie based on um, the life of uh, uh, Jane Eyre, Mm -hmm. which was amazing as well. Then he did True Detective. But what I, I don't want him to go and mess it up. Like they've done with every like 80s horror movie remake Where they just mess yeah. up the, the, yeah. the, 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 yeah. the, the thing that gets people to the movie Which is the, the main guy yeah. like They did it with uh, And you know who I blame? I blame Michael Bay's production company Platinum oh, yeah. Dunes Because yeah, yeah. they seem to be involved in every one Michael of the
0: Michael Bay, it's just I'm not Although, I have to say Regarding 80s horror remakes There are a few gems out there Rob Zombie's first Halloween was awesome eh, The was second okay. one was not good but no. the first one was great, and yeah. also the Friday the Thirteenth one that came out that same year. That was okay. I liked it. Yeah, Friday. Liked
1: it a lot. Fr- yeah, fr- fucking Jason Voorhees. But uh, it was a
0: reboot of the first. It was the first. Do
1: one. You, you like the idea of Jason Voorhees? Uh, basically, uh, being, like, being like a weed farmer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> That's what he was. Yeah. He was
1: protecting the weed. Yeah. He's killing people, killing teenagers <laughs> that wanted to smoke pot. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's, he's,
0: he's protecting the weed. He's the, he's the scarecrow. He's the he's <laughs> the he's the what, what am I thinking of? He's the he's the the monster that protects the the, the cash crop or whatever. Yeah, man. It's, It'd be it's funny it's you're growing ridiculous. weed and a little group pops up and starts dancing and smiling at you and then us when you're not lit. Oh, Guardians,
1: you're Guardians of the Galaxy and Friday the Thirteenth crossover. Oh,
0: there you go, there you what? go. What?
1: I mean, yeah. Jason did go to space. That's true. Don't forget
0: Jason X. Yep. Yeah. Jason so. X. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I never saw that, but I heard it just oh, horrible. Dude. I saw
1: it in the theater when it came out. And I went in knowing that it was going to be total garbage, so I just had fun with my it. My
0: favorite Friday the 13th movie, and this is a horrible, horrible thing to say. I mean, obviously I like the original because Kevin Bacon, but seeing it, Kevin Bacon get an arrow through his neck, that was fun. But <laughs> my favorite uh, Friday the 13th movie is, I can't remember if it's part 5 or part 6 with uh, Su- Susan Voorhees.
1: Oh yeah! But for yeah.
0: horrible, horrible reasons, horrible, horrible boy reasons. I know. <laughs> I know. Hey, you know, I, I went through that. Too, There's man. two reasons I like that movie. <laughs> <There's> two reasons. It's <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. same two reasons why I like Katy Perry. Anyway, was, um,
1: was that the one in New York?
0: No, that was the one in. Uh, no, uh, it was no. in the same woods, still right around oh. Crystal Lake, up in you know, yeah, New Jason, England. Somewhere. Jason
1: goes to New York. I think it's like the fifth one.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. In the city. <laughs> I don't think I ever saw that one either. I know. I think that was the seventh one. Yeah. Jason Takes Manhattan or something Some like that. Some shit yeah. like
1: that. At that point, you just saw it for the deaths. Yeah. Just like yeah. Freddy Krueger movies. Yeah, that was for the body count. Yeah. You just sat count. there
0: with a tick, 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 one of those old uh, clickers that the bouncers <laughs> use at clubs. Tick, 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 tick. One in one hand and one in the other. One in, one out. They can always <laughs> check the balance of who's in and who's out.
1: Uh, do they even do that anymore?
0: But they probably have a digital thing on <clears> their phone now that does it. Yeah. I
1: don't think bouncers care that much, that much anymore.
0: Depends <clears> on where you <clears> work. The clubs I worked in, they did that. I was a DJ in the nineties.
1: Oh yeah, I only I only go to like small clubs in LA because I like to check out uh, local bands. Oh, you're yeah. Which, by the way, there's this new band called Sidewave.
0: Sidewave, I've heard of them.
1: <clears throat> really? Because they're of really them. new. They they've only played three shows. I've
0: heard that name.
1: It's one of those names. I think they're going to be like uh, around. You know what kind of music? They play nineties. Uh, it's it's definitely like throwback, like um, stuff like Cave In. And and uh, Shiner, and uh, Failure, and all those okay, bands. All
0: right. So kind of alt rock with a slightly yeah. dreamy, dreamy, kind dreamy of like psychedelic kind of twist to it. Son- yeah, Shoegazy, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of American shoegazer music.
1: They do the uh, the, horm- the harmonizing thing right, where they tune down.
0: Yeah, they yeah, tune
1: yeah. down a string so that they're both the same note, and it sounds like a, a wall of sound. Yeah, I love that.
0: I mean, they're awesome. Catherine Wheel and yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, my Bloody Valentine My Bloody Valentine I love like, all that I love shoegaze example. music Love it Lush and all those Yeah Only two bands Early sh- Blur too yeah. Well Early Le- 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 Ble- eh. Blur was a mixture Between Shoegaze No they were never shoegaze I'm, I'm wrong No they were never shoegaze They were uh, Manchester started uh, they, they were
1: slow But they were never shoegaze In my, in my yeah. head uh, There's only two bands right. You should really care about Slow Dive And My Bloody Slide Valentine Slow Dive Yeah
0: Suvlaki Space Station—that's a great EP. It's my favorite, man. That's a great EP.
1: And uh, there's a band actually from the '90s playing uh, this Friday. It's called Slint.
0: Yeah, I've heard of Slint. Yeah. Um, speaking of shoegazer bands, um, do you know R- uh, Ride, Vapor Trail? No, you I don't. So strong I've and probably I mean, you've mentioned away. this to me, and I, I, I oh. forgot to like, I just look it up. I reposted that video onto Facebook today because it's one of those—it's one of those songs that when it comes on, it just brightens my that hour for me it's really good
1: really i I love the music
0: so well i think this was probably a good first episode probably about time to wrap it up we've been going for about an hour ish something like that
1: something like that yeah all right yeah
0: well good um so we're gonna try and do this on a weekly basis and uh as soon as we get all of our shit together we'll get it up and get it going and there will be a a blog and a announcements and this and that and we'll get going so this is good for the very first uh, episode of uh The SSC also the SSC XP.
1: I mean, this is also open to you guys. If you if you have any suggestions, topics that you want us to talk about, uh, we're not geniuses, but (laughs) we have no no life and we're nerds. So chances are we probably know, um, and we can you know expand on it. Yeah, definitely. Something you'd like to know more about or whatever. Yeah,
0: we'll we'll get the blog going. We'll have an email address. We're going to have all this stuff lined up, and um, every everybody will be. We will welcome feedback.
1: Yep. It's, it's, a com- it's, a it's, a it's a it's a two way thing. It's a yeah, it's
0: a multiplayer thing. So, all right, we, we don't um, want we don't
1: want to just hear ourselves talk for an hour every week.
0: Well, there's nothing wrong with well, that. Maybe, maybe <laughs> we do. Maybe we, maybe that's
1: why we're doing this. Yeah, yeah. that could be.
0: All right, we'll uh, be everybody minutes. have a good week, and we'll be back again next week. The Something Something Experience podcast was conceived and produced by Ash Jones and Michael John Simpson. Intro music: Ways to Change Faces, and outro music: Scorpio Thirty Seven was written, produced, and provided by the talented Sebastian Cesari. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com or find us online at something2xp.wordpress.com or at something2xp on Twitter.